0: That 21-year-old pimp, that 21-year-old pimp, that 21-year-old trafficker who is not yet a convicted felon, roll on in to any place you want and buy a gun under this provision and walk around in whatever way you want. No training, no understanding, Wild West pimp style. That's what this bill does. And then that pimp can roll into whatever small businesses in your community with their stable of girls, and they can flaunt it. Wild West, Pimp style. The Liberals Gun Corner, a proud progeny of the Gun Rights Radio Network, hosted by Cowboy T, San Francisco liberal with a gun. This podcast is always available at www.liberalsguncorner.com and you can email us at cowboyt at liberalsguncorner.com. Cowboy T here. Welcome to episode 63. Can you dig it? (laughs) First, allow me to say happy birthday to our country, the United States of America. On this day, July 4th, 246 years ago, wow, we declared independence from Great Britain. 246 years ago, we said no to the British government's attack on the liberty that All people should be guaranteed simply by existing. If you're a living, breathing human being, there are certain rights that are, or should be, yours simply by the fact that you exist. Anyone trying to trample on those rights should be stopped, post-haste. And that's what America is all about. That's what our country's all about. And that's why... As long as we exist as a nation, I will always consider the United States the greatest country that has ever been. Ever. Happy 246th birthday, America. I love you. May we continue to live and prosper as a nation of free people that honors and respects our individual liberties. And speaking of respecting our individual liberties, (laughs) this is, as you Oh, also probably guess by now, our Wild West pimp-style episode. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ann Johnson. Ann Johnson, Democratic State Representative from Texas. Thank you for that wonderful, absolutely wonderful Internet meme. Oh, man. I may disagree with you profoundly, and I do, on Second Amendment matters, but you, madame, oh, you deserve a prize for this one. Not only have you managed to insult black Americans with that whole pimp reference, you also managed to insult all gun owners by considering us all criminals. Wow. I'm actually you know, rather quite impressed by that, by that. That level of cognitive dissonance. <laughs> I haven't heard something you know, quite that racially brazen from a white female in a few years now, ever since the barbecue Becky and Permit Patty and those folks. So well done, ma'am. My mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you. My brother thanks you. And most of all, we gun owners thank you. (laughs) Whew. But, well, okay, in fairness to this Becky, or should I use Alex Haley's term of Missy Ann, huh, how ironic. Her name is Ann Johnson. Missy Ann, as many black Americans do refer to such people, and rightly so, you know, in fairness to her though she has given us such a wonderful meme oh man like many gun owners i'm i'm thoroughly enjoying this folks i really am there are now now there's there's t-shirts there's sweatshirts there's coffee cups there's there's other things with wild west pimp style on them in various typefaces there's even one um with a 1970s you know quote unquote stereotypical pimp typeface from you know back then yeah My wife actually bought me a T-shirt with that expression on it. (laughs) It's great. I love it. I wish I could show it to you. Wait a minute. minute. Actually, I can show it to you. Yeah. Here's the deal. If you go to www.liberalsguncorner.com and look for this episode, episode 63, I have a picture of it up there. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Tell you what it is. I'll give you a sneak preview. It's got the outline of the state of Texas with an AR-15 rifle across it, and it says Wild West Pimp Style. Direct quote. It's in a sort of, a, you know, an old Western typeface. It is hilarious. And yes, I have worn this shirt. Yes, I absolutely and thoroughly enjoy the deliciousness of it. <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> but it begs the question, just what is this Wild West pimp style that Missy Ann Johnson, Democrat in Texas, is referring to? What is it? Well, it refers to Texas joining 20 other states of our union in what's called constitutional carry. This is also known as Vermont carry and has traditionally been known as that for a long time. Well, okay, yeah, that helps me. What is that? (laughs) Fair question. What is it? Well, constitutional carry refers to the legal framework saying that you don't need a permission slip from mommy government to exercise your constitutional right to keep and bear arms. And that's true, by the way, whether you choose to carry your firearm openly, for all to see, like some do, or concealed for discretion, like some others do. I do carry. Oh, yeah, you darn turton, I do. You better believe I do, and that's because my dad carried. He is, in fact, a big reason why I carry, too. Yeah. Oh, but cowboy tea, doesn't that mean you don't go through a background check and all that? That's exactly right. You don't. The Constitution, and specifically the Second Amendment, is your quote unquote carry permit under constitutional carry. Remember now, Vermont has been doing this for well over 200 years. Every crime statistic I've ever seen, by the way, shows Vermont to be one of the safest states in our nation. See, in Vermont, you've never needed, never, ever needed a permission slip. Uh, also known as a carry permit, to carry a firearm. Never. Never. And Vermont's crime statistics are among the lowest in our country. So obviously it's not the gun that kills people. they got guns all over the place in Vermont. Uh, Well, given those results, uh, several other states started doing the same thing. Including, by the way, Vermont's northeast neighbors, New Hampshire and Maine. Yeah, up in the northeast they're doing this too. Tennessee did so as well, as did Alaska, Arizona, West Virginia, our next-door neighbor, and several others. Twenty states had done this. And now, Texas has recently joined them to become the 21st state with constitutional carry. And I love it. Yes, I do. Remember, folks, you don't need a permission slip to vote. Yeah, you don't. You don't need a permission slip to publish your thoughts or to speak in a public place. You don't. Matter of fact, any attempt to put restrictions on voting or the right of free speech has brought venomous, and I mean venomous, retribution in the press and among the people. And by the way, rightly so. I agree with that. The, the, the very thought, the very idea of putting you know poll taxes on voting like we used to do, are requiring permits to speak that sort of thing is the stuff revolutions are made of we know because our own country is the direct result of just such a revolt back in the year 1776 yeah we declared our independence for those and other reasons you know that whole taxation without representation thing yeah that yeah uh, the 13 colonies didn't have representation in the British government, yet we were getting taxed as if we were. You learned that, all, all about that business in your, history, in your history books, folks. I sure did, so I know you did too. It's in your history books. You learned it in school. That's why every state in our union gets representation in the Congress. As a matter of fact, we even call them representatives for the House, and it's done by district. Each state also got uh, and gets two senators in the Senate. Everyone should know this. Everyone of you should know this from elementary school. Every last U.S. citizen of 18 years or older gets the right to vote, unless you're a convicted felon, and even then you can petition to get your voting rights back. It's been done many times before. Everyone also has the right to speak. So we obviously care a great deal about the preservation of these rights. Again, rightly so and the same should apply to all rights guaranteed to us under the constitution and that is exactly what constitutional carry does mhm it removes the poll taxes and other similar impediments on another constitutional right namely the right to keep and bear arms that bearing arms part, by the way, is just as important as the keeping arms part. In states like Virginia, where I live, you can openly carry a firearm without a permit. Yeah, you can open carry. No permit needed. That's good. No problem. However, if you'd prefer to be you know, more discreet about carrying, as I do, I prefer discretion, and you want to carry your firearm concealed, you need a permission slip, also called a Permit a concealed handgun permit from your county clerk to do that. There's a fee for that; it costs money. That fee is fifty dollars in most Virginia counties. Oh, it's only fifty bucks; no big deal. Yeah, right. That's uh, maybe if you're in the IT sector like I am. But what if you're not? What if you're? What if you don't make, um, however, you know, five or six figures or whatever the heck it is that they make in, uh, for example, Northern Virginia? Not everyone's got that. By the way, in other states, you have to get a permission slip a permit from your local state or government to even carry openly as well. Yeah, even open carry. That used to be the case in Texas. Actually, it will be until September 1st. Um, And in states like New York, you need a permit even to possess a firearm. Yeah, mere possession, just to own one. You got to get a mommy may I slip from New York just to possess a firearm. That's right. You need to pay a fee to the government for permission to exercise this right. Oh, that's not a big burden, you say? Oh, really? Okay, suppose we require a $50 permit to go vote. Well, after all, you know, voting is done concealed. Like, you know, since we'll use the example of Virginia here. Voting's done concealed, too. Yes, it is. Oh, you better believe it is. Matter of fact, that's by law. You go to the booth... Uh, you fill out your ballot with uh, physical shields around you, so people, you know, privacy shields, so people can't see how you're voting. I know because I vote. Why is that privacy shield there? Well, it's there because it's nobody else's business how you vote, it's only your own business, not anybody else's. Okay, well, supposing we required a permit for that. How about it? What would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. Every civil rights organization from the ACLU to the NAACP would be filing lawsuits to put a stop to that. And they'd be right. Same, by the way, applies for the right to speak, including publishing your thoughts. Now, suppose we require a permit from the government to speak in a public place, or to publish our thoughts in a newspaper of our own making, or on an internet website, and and so on. If we required a permit for any of that, The lawsuits would be epic. And again, they'd be right. That's the First Amendment, after all. You you don't screw with that. So where are all these folks for the Second Amendment? Where are they? Yeah, that's about where they are. You hear nothing from those folks. Only crickets. And that's really sad. I will remind all of you that gun-permitting legal regimes were instituted with the specific goal of preventing anybody but white people from exercising this right. It was originally part of the Black Codes during you know the bad old days of slavery. And then after that, after the Civil War, it became part of Jim Crow. <laughs> Heck, it even continued in that liberal state of California. That's my home state. We've talked about the Mulford Act in 1967 several times here on the Liberals' Gun Corner. They even called it the Black Panther Law in the press. And plenty of people in positions of power want that racist gun control to continue today. Today. It's 2021. They still want it. Well, they definitely don't want all those black people in the United States arming up like they did in the 1960s in Oakland, California. After all, there might be another, and I quote, Negro uprising, which is what they called the Black Panthers back then. Yep. Yep. That was the term they used. Negro uprising. Shades of Bull Connor, anybody? And they're obviously still scared of that today. After all, you heard uh, Missy Ann Johnson at the beginning of this, of this very episode. You heard her own words. Invoking the image of a criminal pimp to represent us gun owners? Really? Seriously? That that's a oh God. That's a total racial dog whistle, and she ought to be ashamed of herself. R- really, she ought to be removed from the Texas State Legislature for that one. Censure is not enough for something like that. That one, I think, calls for removal. Indeed, all this this all reminds me of an incident in 1999. About 21 was it? No, 22 years ago now. It was when a black man named James Byrd was brutally, viciously murdered. It was by three white racists who tied him to their car and dragged him to his death behind that car. Have you ever heard of drawing and quartering a person? That's basically what these white supremacists did to him. That's medieval-style torture death, folks. That's as... It's gruesome. It's about as awful a death as a human being can experience. This took place in a, in a well in a place called Jasper, Texas. James Byrd didn't have a gun. He was outnumbered three to one. And any of you who've been in a fight, you know that's tough odds for anybody, folks. Now imagine if Texas had made it easier back then for that black man, James Byrd, and others like him, to carry a gun. Imagine if there had been constitutional carry. James Byrd would have had an, an easier time legally carrying a gun for his self-defense. It thus follows he would have been more likely than he would have been. That it would, excuse me. Let me try that again. <clears throat> it follows that he would, have, he would be more likely to be carrying a gun that day. And he would have stood a much better chance of getting away from those white supremacists alive. Well, But, but, but Cowboy T, they might have taken his gun and killed him with it. You know, they might have killed him with his own gun. Uh, folks, they did kill him. James Bird is dead, folks. He's not coming back. He is dead. So we already know that there is a 100% chance, 100% chance, that he died without having a gun. Because they killed him in a most horrific, brutal, gruesome manner. He's dead. And he didn't have a gun. So, if he had had a gun, then by definition his chances just went up. And that's a chance to live instead of getting killed like what did happen. Huh. You give me that choice? I'll take the odds of of, of having the gun. Give me that gun. Oh, yeah. I don't want to be the next James Byrd. My dad didn't want to either. That's why he carried. And it's why I carry. That black man might have survived if he'd had a gun. Now, it's true, he might still have gotten killed, but he obviously would have had a better chance to live than he did. As Susanna Hupp, another Texan, put it, it's no guarantee, but it, it would have evened up the odds. So I absolutely, 100%, celebrate what Texas has done here with constitutional carry. I do they have removed that poll tax from people exercising a constitutional right. There should never be any poll taxes or anything like them to, enter, to exercise a constitutional right. And that's why I celebrate what uh, Missy Ann Johnson calls Wild West Pimp Style. I celebrate it. And someday... I hope that we can get that in Virginia, too. And finally, abolish that Jim Crow-era poll tax here as well. Long live Wild West pimp style. (laughs) And now, let's get to a promise from last episode. We talked then about the merits of so-called you know, plastic Tupperware guns, and we were talking about handguns, and we promised you that we'd do the same for the all-metal ones as well. And we're going to do just that when we get back from the break. Can you dig it? See you soon, all you cats out there. All you cool cats, <laughs> welcome back, Skiddly Wow. Oh, wait a minute, that's, that's too far back, that's the 1950s, I was trying to stick to the 70s, sorry about that. But anyways, last time, <laughs> last time we talked about Glock-style pistols and why they're a good choice for a lot of people, and they are, they really are. Uh, like I said then, Gaston Glock came up with a, a very good design, a really good design for a reliable, functional, defensive pistol. That invention of his, it revolutionized pistol manufacture. So much so that police departments virtually everywhere in the United States have migrated over to the Glock-style pistols. And I don't blame them one bit. They're good. They're reliable. They're, they're tough. And they're a bit lighter, you know, thus making all-day carry somewhat easier. And if you're a cop carrying a gun all day, that matters. But how about the traditional handguns then, You know, made out of steel and wood? You know, what, What are they no good anymore? Or what are they now, uh, you know, obsolete? <laughs> uh, not according to all the people buying revolvers and 1911 pistols every year, uh, no. <laughs> That's funny. They are most certainly not obsolete. Not even close. Matter of fact, they have some distinct advantages of their own. Allow me to elucidate. We'll start with the 1911 pistols. Some people call this God's pistol. And since we just got through talking about Texas, it's one a common joke about Texas is that they issue all uh, newborn babies a 1911 pistol because it's Murica's pistol. <laughs> well, it is good. I'm holding mine. It's a 1911. It's it's a Remington 1911 R1. This is something I bought at a local gun store some years ago. It feels nice. It's basically GI spec. The wife shot it. She's, uh, this, she shot this along with the the Ruger SR45 Glock style pistol. You know next, you know back to back. Of the two, she does prefer the 1911 because, you know, the all metal pistol being a bit heavier soaks up the recoil a bit more. Thus, it is more comfortable for her to shoot. There's another woman, 22 year old that we in- introduced to handguns a few years ago. She also preferred the 1911. Now, this young lady has shot 12 gauge shotguns before, so she's no stranger to guns. But see, she'd never shot a handgun before, and she wanted to, you know, do so. She wanted to try it. Uh, she's about five foot nine, oh, probably about 150 pounds. She's a curvy girl, and she's in good physical condition. She's no little tiny wisp of a thing, and she too preferred the lower felt recoil of the 1911 pistol. Yeah. The 1911 pistol is chambered in forty five ACP. Mine is. It is. It, and that is, by the way, the traditional cartridge. We were using the same ammo on both pistols, my forty five ACP reloads, and even I can notice uh, the difference. I can feel it. The lighter Ruger SR-45 is oh, somewhat stronger felt recoil. It doesn't bother me in the least. But I, I can understand how the 1911 will be preferable to some shooters. Remember, when buying a gun, you should buy what you shoot best. What you shoot best, not somebody else. If that happens to be a 1911, then, well, that's what you buy. Uh, they make 1911s, by the way, in 9mm uh, Parabellum slash 9mm Luger as well. So consider that as an option also. Speaking of 9 millimeters, what I just described about the 1911, you know, being a bit easier to shoot than the the, the Glock-style plastic pistols, it's also true of Beretta's 92 model. Yeah. Beretta's got a model of pistol called the, uh, the, the 92. Usually the 92FS is the one we commonly see. Let me tell you about this model. <laughs> Back when I was an active uh, range safety officer, one of the, the other RSOs allowed me to try out his Beretta 92. The Army version, by the way, is the Beretta M9. It's basically the same pistol. Uh, that's what the Army's been using since the 1980s. Uh, it's a traditional all-steel pistol that shoots the 9mm Parabellum, or 9mm Luger, cartridge. So when I shot this guy's um, Beretta 92, I was amazed by how much recoil I didn't feel. Seriously, um, it surprised me how little recoil the Beretta 92 has. It's so easy on the hands that it, well, well, it almost feels like I'm shooting a 22 Magnum. Well, okay, not maybe not quite that low, but not far from it. Really, it was that easy to shoot. This is why a lot of firearms instructors that I've met use the Beretta 92 for their classes. It's got a standard 15-round magazine. It's a good size, you know, normal full-size pistol. It's easy on the hands under recoil. I remarked on all of this to that that range officer, and he told me, well, that's actually why I bought it. I don't blame him. If I were to put one of these into my wife's hands and have her try it out, she normally doesn't like semi-auto pistols. She might like this one. The military may have made you know such a such a pistol you know sexy to buy. Ooh, uh, it's, I'm buying the army pistol, yeah. But you know its characteristics have made it a very good choice on its own merits as well, army or not. See, my wife wouldn't take the Glock style pistol to the range on a regular basis. She's tried a nine millimeter uh, Glock style. Um, she wouldn't even take a Glock seventeen a nine millimeter. She just doesn't like it. It doesn't feel good in her hands under recoil. But I think she might seriously consider taking that Beretta 92. And that's also very important. If you don't enjoy shooting your firearm, you probably are not going to take it to the range and practice regularly with it. But if you do enjoy shooting it, you're a lot more likely to make those range trips. And that means your marksmanship will get better. That means that if you ever should have to defend yourself with your pistol... You know f s m forbid, but if it should happen, you'll be much better prepared and folks, that's a very big deal. Don't ignore the need to practice regularly, seriously and for those you know just to deal with the whole nine millimeter versus forty five holy war debate because I know that comes up in, in discussions like this so let's let's get that out of the way. I wouldn't want to get shot with either one, okay. Uh Uh-uh. We should also note that bullet technology has progressed a good way over the years. It really has. Turns out modern 9mm hollow-point bullets expand pretty well. Uh, For example, a Spears Gold Dot. That's a good one. Uh, I've seen the ballistic test. Actually, it's really good. That one seems to be a consistently very good performer. If you do have to defend yourself with your 9mm and you have something like a Spears Gold Dot... Well your assailant's going to have a very bad day <laughs> now i'm not saying that the forty five is a bad choice. oh no, uh I like the round myself it'll do a fine job. It has for you know a long long time um since the year in fact well nineteen eleven so that's hundred and ten years and still going strong. The nine millimeter luger's also an old timer from nineteen o two when uh I hope i'm pronouncing this right uh Georg or George Luger, the German fellow that invented it, invented it. Like I said, I wouldn't want to get hit with either one, thank you very much. So uh, of the semi-automatic pistols, try out a traditional all-steel one. And also try out a plastic Glock-style one. Whichever, you, uh, whichever one you shoot best, that's the one you should get. That's the one you'll want to take to the range on a regular basis. And as any firearms instructor will quickly confirm... That is a very good thing. And now, let's have a little talk about the other traditional all-steel handguns, the revolvers. Those who know me well, they know that I do like my will guns. Oh, yeah, you better believe it, baby. I love me some six-shooters. Or now they've seven-shooters and even eight-shooters They got those, too. Yeah, we've got revolvers now that will shoot eight rounds of thirty eight Special or three hundred fifty seven Magnum. <laughs> I want one. I, I, I do. I really do, just for the coolness factor. <laughs> I just can't justify the expenditure, though. I mean, after all, my six-shooters do really, really well. They ain't broken. Uh, matter of fact, my wife has a six-shooter. It's a .357 Magnum. It's a K-frame. It's a stainless steel model. It fits her hand pretty darn well. The ergonomics of the revolver are apparently a really good match for her hands. Uh, this is the handgun that uh, she actually takes to the range and looks forward to practicing with. It's the one that you uh, probably saw her with in one of our reloading videos uh, when she was shooting her own reloads. She shoots 38 Special out of it because, well, like all three fifty seven Magnum revolvers, hers also shoots th- uh, 38 Special just as well. She does this, shooting 38 Special, for the same reason that the police did when they carried revolvers. The thirty eight Special cartridge will get the job done against most assailants, without the recoil and blast of full-house three hundred fifty seven Magnum rounds. For what we call nightstand duty, she she loads a revolver with thirty-eight Special Plus P hollow points, you know, for, for business purposes. She really likes this revolver. When she shoots it... <laughs> It's, it's, it's really cool uh, to watch her do this. She cocks the hammer back cowboy style and shoots it in single-action mode. Yeah, even though her revolver is a double-action type, she actually shoots it in single-action mode. To watch her do this is, as I said, really cool because it's, it's like she was a cowgirl in a previous life or something. She just does it naturally. And she puts those holes in the center bullseye with satisfying regularity. She's good. My own 357 Magnum revolver is a Ruger Security 6. That's another very good 6 shooter in .357 Magnum. Um, I use this along with a 38 Special Handload to teach people how to shoot handguns. This handload that I use, that's about the same power as a, a .380 ACP round for those of you familiar with that round. That means it's not a real boomer, but it's still enough to get the job done if you have to defend yourself with it. The felt recoil is minimal. The muzzle flash is likewise minimal. And it's easy to handle for new shooters. All around, it's a good, you know, this is how you shoot a handgun sort of round, sort of loading. We start with that, and then we move to standard 38 special rounds from there. After some experience with that lighter hand load, my uh, pupils do pretty darn well with the standard 38 special loading. After they get used to that, then I give them one 357 Magnum round to try out. And yes, I do inform them what it is. I'm not one of those that, you know, puts it in there and doesn't tell them and it goes ka -ka and scares the daylights out of them. That's not cool. I always inform them. After they shoot it, they're usually satisfied with that one round. (laughs) They go back to thirty-eight Special. Uh, But it's also a demonstration of something else inherent to revolvers. You can shoot lighter loads if you wish, and the revolver will not jam because of it. See, revolvers by their very nature are very good at handling different power levels, so you can work your way up if you'd like. Or you can stick with say 38 special if the full house 357 Magnum round is a bit too much. I know people who do. Well, my wife's one of them. Uh, the same, by the way, is true of the 44 Magnum revolvers. You know, the most powerful handgun in the world, Dirty Harry's revolver. They also shoot the much lighter 44 special round very, very well. Matter of fact, um, that's what I shoot with our 44 Magnum revolver most of the time. I usually shoot 44 special. And speaking of Dirty Harry, um, in his second movie, Magnum Force, uh, we learn that Dirty Harry Callahan shoots forty four Special, too. That's right. He actually carried a forty-four Special semi wad cutter load in his speed loaders. Uh, you can see this in the movie. He considered it accurate and easy to handle. So that part of the movie actually does reflect reality. I know there's a lot they didn't get right in those movies, but that part they did get right. These are some of the examples of why the traditional all-steel handguns are also good choices. Like I've mentioned before, try out as many types of models as you can. See which one you actually shoot best. And whichever one that is, that's the one you should buy. And that's true even if your you know, expert gun friend tells you differently. No. Uh, buy what feels most comfortable for you. Then get to the range, and practice regularly with it. That's how you'll be best ready to defend yourself should the need ever arise. Oh, and that this goes double, by the way, for anything that you're planning to carry with you. And what works for me might not be as good for you, and vice versa. My carry piece, uh, my wife doesn't like it. (laughs) No. Uh, Something else fits her hands better, so guess what? That's what she has. And uh, you must test the feel of any model under recoil. That is, when you're firing it. I will again suggest, as I often do, go to a range that rents guns. Usually the rental is reasonably priced, and at many ranges you can change your handgun as often as you want without extra charge. Yeah, they even encourage this. You, yeah, yeah, you have to use the range as ammunition, yes, you just have to do that. But, well, that's reasonable, and it's typical. It's largely for safety reasons. Having been a range officer, I understand what those safety reasons are. By the way, yeah, there are plastic carry pieces, too. Springfield has their Model XDS as one example. I've fired one of those. That's a a good one. Smith & Wesson's uh, MMP Shield is another one. That's very ergonomical. That's a very popular carry piece. Uh, There are also traditional all-steel options. Uh, Smith & Wesson's J-frame, for example. There are even aluminum frame revolvers, such as Smith & Wesson's Airweight series of small pocket revolvers, yeah. Try as many as you can. And then, after you settle on one and make the purchase, get to the range and practice with it. And on this day of July 4th, our nation's birthday, remember, folks, please, this is in fact a right. It's not a privilege. There are forces out there that want to take this right away from you. They want to take it away from me, too. That's not America. America. The whole point of our country is the ability to defend our rights and liberties. That's why we became a nation. That's why the Founding Fathers risked getting hanged, lynching for treason back in 1776. That's what the Second Amendment is for. And on that subject, the Founding Fathers, there's a fellow who recently sent me a book of his for evaluation I'm reading it now, and it goes into the Founding Fathers' reasons for putting the Second Amendment in our Constitution in the first place. This is, this is proving interesting. Uh, if people tell you, by the way, that uh, they didn't really mean, the Founding Fathers did not really mean an individual right, um, we're going to discuss that A, yes, they did mean an individual right, and B, here's why they meant an individual right. Uh, it was written by a man named Stephen Daniel. Uh, let me grab it here. Ah, here it is. It's called the Second Amendment, rediscovering the inalienable right to firearm ownership and self-defense. Stephen Daniel wrote it. It is proving to be a very interesting treatise on that very subject. I look forward to discussing the contents of his book with you, and even having him here on the corner. I'd really like to do that, and he has um, expressed a desire to do so. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna eventually set that up, hopefully soon. Until then. I sincerely hope that you're enjoying your 4th of July celebrations. Enjoy the fireworks, if you have them, and remember what those fireworks represent. They represent that rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, giving proof through the night that our flag was still there. That's what they mean. That's what those fireworks that you're going to see tonight really mean. We were willing to go to war to defend our liberties several times, and we succeeded each time. Britain didn't attack us again after the, the 1812 uh, uh, war, you know, the, when the Star Spangled Banner was written. They realized that no, we're not kidding. We are, in fact, deadly serious about this. And because of that, we remain a free nation to this day. Remember that as you're watching these fireworks. And if that includes um, Wild West pimp style, like Missy Ann Johnson said, well then bring on the Wild West pimp style. To quote John Kerry in 2004, and I'm quoting him exactly, bring it on. (laughs) Can you dig it? (laughs) This is Cowboy T signing off. Until next time. Till then, all you cool cats, safe shooting. Seriously, safe shooting. Let your politicians know you value your rights. All of them. Enjoy your 4th of July festivities and what it means. And as always, thanks for listening.